0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Things. Once I ran to you, I ran. Now I'll run, run from you. Ooh. This tainted love you given. I giving. give you all a boy could give you take my tears and that's not nearly oh tainted love oh (laughs) Turn to love. (laughs) 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 Don't touch me, please. I've had enough of the way you (laughs) tease. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What's up, everybody? Hey, hey. The energy we're bringing today to the show. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks, guys. Hey, yes. And speaking of Shit Your Shrink Thanks, as a reminder, we do have an Instagram, Shit Your Shrink Thanks, a Gmail, if you want to email us questions, comments. ShitYourShrinkThinks at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash ShitYourShrinkThings. Yeah, check us out. Send us support. Email us. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. We are getting, speaking of that, we have gotten a couple of requests now. So I think there's one in the works eventually, maybe next time, maybe maybe two times from now about introversion and extroversion oh yeah so we'd like to thank tony for that request and we know that we will be getting to it eventually we're, we haven't forgotten about you and then we've yeah. also gotten some other requests for things like burnout Ooh, i saw yeah. some neurodivergent requests in there Ooh, there was a get, lot yeah so <laughs> we we Yay! are seeing them and we are acknowledging them and we will be getting to them yeah so. we're excited to to hear your ideas it's helpful it is it <laughs> is really helpful we were surprised we kind of thought we would run out of ideas or topics, and we've easily got a 100 now, something like that? Yeah. I mean,
1: it's a crazy amount, it so. It keeps expanding. You keep thinking, well, what should we do? And then one thing spurs off into like three others. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. So as you might recognize, we're still doing songs, and this one at least was related to our episode today. Yeah. So we will be talking a little bit about types of violence today, but before we do that, we're going to be getting into what's good. What's good.
1: Yeah. yeah. Do you want to go first?
0: Yes, I do okay. want to go first. So I had to um, check this story with somebody else who told it to me to make sure that nobody would find out what it was. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought it was just great, but then I realized maybe it could be tracked down. So the story in my mind is called Worst Pizza in the World. Oh, okay. <laughs> so once upon a time, one of my very good friend calls me and... I was talking to her and I was like, hey, what have you been doing this weekend? What have you been doing this day? And she says, well, I went to this party out in the suburbs. I was like, cool, good start. And it was supposed to be a pizza party. And everybody was supposed to kind of be making something and contributing. Okay. Well, <laughs> ah, apparently the host kind of just took over the pizza making, which is all good, but made I what I think might be the grossest pizzas in the world. Are you ready? Oh, gosh. So the pizza that I think was the grossest was a... Lemon with like full rinds on the lemon, Mm -hmm. cheese, tomato sauce, pizza with potatoes on it. What? What the fuck? How do those go together? I know. And then my friend said that she she was eating this nasty, this gnarly pizza and- She's from the Midwest too, so uh-huh. of course, in the Midwest, we just pretend everything is okay. We're going to, <laughs> we're like, this is delicious. I will have Thank another. You so much, yes. <laughs> I might shit my pants, but I will eat this pizza. And she said the furniture in this house was like, <laughs> there's nothing comfortable to sit on, so she was sitting on this really uncomfortable like on furniture. the edge, like nibbling on this disgusting piece, <laughs> eating lemon pizza. Oh and I, gosh, I told her, and then having to be polite about it because she's around the Midwest, and I said that's actually midwestern hell right (laughs) because that's like it it is both bad food and uncomfortable objects and having to be polite and i thought like you got transported to purgatory there homie sorry (laughs) like brief (laughs) brief exposure (laughs) i know i was like the only thing that would be worse for midwestern hell is if somebody was in a line somewhere and a person cut the line and then we all just sat there and didn't say anything
1: about it. And <laughs> Every, just, People just kept cutting in front and, and the line kept getting oh my, longer but nobody said anything. Oh my God. And we just all resented <laughs> them silently. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Hell's not getting ideas from our podcast right now. <laughs> we, should, we should stop. Yeah, that
0: that's Midwest Hell. That would oh actually kill me. Anyway, so that was why. what's good was that I just... Oh, and then somebody else, one of the other guests actually did was like... Just said something? No, no. It was like pooping oh. their pants basically. Oh but, no. Like it was causing like legit... Oh no no. Oh,
1: no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then everybody just pretended it was okay (laughs) because that's what you do, I guess. Yeah. One time we got targeted and they put uh, a pizza place from our neighboring community, put cinnamon on our ordered pizza. It was like a pepperoni pizza and they put cinnamon on it. What? Fuck with us! Wait, what? You got? Ta- what do you mean you got targeted? <laughs> <laughs> I assume like, it was targeted. <laughs> like a terrorist attack. I, I, we called in to pick up a pizza, and they knew that it was, who was picking it up. And so when we oh came, w- brought it home. Then it was like, oh, there is cinnamon on this pepperoni pizza. And one time the bastards ate a slice of our pizza when we ordered it too and like tried to move it around and it's like, it's clearly missing a slice. <laughs> like you bastards. Wait, why were you, tar- why do you think you were targeted? We won't go into that.
0: We oh my God. No.
1: <laughs> Are
0: you kidding me? I have to know this now. What what had you done? No, I don't. I didn't do anything. No, no,
1: no, 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 It no, was obviously no. nothing like that. No. What? Just I just think me... some people didn't necessarily. I think they had some bias against our family name and or a few of my siblings.
0: <laughs> I love this so much.
1: I'm just gonna say you're in the mob. <laughs>
0: sure (laughs) the the midwest mom it's crazy over there you guys you're gonna Uh, get
1: some cinnamon on your pizza yeah well what's good with you this week okay so my what's good is another one of those aha statements and i'm sorry my next one won't be something like this but it just hit home and i probably found it on stupid tiktok or pinterest i don't know but i loved it so i wanted to share Mm -hmm. what if everything you wanted from someone else you actually wanted from yourself you want them to tell you that they love you, that they're proud of you. You want them to take you on an adventure, support you, build you up when you're feeling down. When's the last time you did that for yourself? I like that. That's cool, man. Right? That's really cool. I'm trying
0: to break those codependent tendencies.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Take
1: care of yourself. Start loving yourself. Tell yourself the things you want to hear. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Start start right at home. Yeah. Start right at home.
1: I've gotten a lot better at it, but it definitely hit me. I was like, ooh,
0: yeah, there's, I'm i got still working. That. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I can take myself on an adventure and I can take myself out to eat. Those are things that I am good at. I definitely want to do, work on the like self-compassion talk always, mm-hmm, though. Forever. Mm-hmm. That's going to yeah, be a forever I agree. That's portal. a forever thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep throwing words of affirmation in there. See what sticks.
1: Yeah. Just throwing spaghetti at a wall. I get you. How did your homework go this week? So mine was to journal before bed, especially on the days that I went into the office. And I'm a failure. <laughs> 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 fail, fail, fail. I don't know. I've just been off my game and off motivation, and I had ample time and opportunity to do it, and I didn't. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I had the time, and I did not. Yeah. I even had the thoughts a few times where I'm like, "You said you wanted to do this," and I was like, "No." <laughs> so pass. Apparently, they are just the motivation wasn't it there. wasn't there It wasn't That's there. Okay. But it's still a, an aspirational goal. I probably I'll try to circle back to eventually. Yeah, I hear you. I. What was yours? How'd my go? goal was to create kind of like a sleep routine. Yeah, yeah. And also
0: I failed. And <laughs> I just don't know what's going on right uh, now. I, but I have a good excuse. And the good excuse is that I got COVID. And so- That's a very good excuse. Yeah. yeah so the yeah. only thing, I, I started to feel like I was having like glue in the back of my throat, which is a really unpleasant feeling. And- <laughs> My only routine was to mix Robitussin, Sudafed, (laughs) and, like, peroxide water together and to just, like, gargle that. And so, yeah, as you imagine, like, Sudafed isn't exactly great for sleeping. It's kind of like meth.
1: Right. So it
0: was just I was sacrificing breathing for sleeping and I went with breathing. That's and fair. That's fair. Yeah. It wasn't a party, but maybe next week I will get the homework in. I
1: feel confident. I actually feel confident. Now that, I'm now f- you, yeah. finally feeling
0: better. It was a it was a disaster, everybody. COVID uh, hits me, like, it,
1: hard. Yeah. it It is a nasty, nasty ride. That's it, for sure. Even the God. mild ones are not that great. Yeah. So...
0: It's a tough ride today. We're going to be talking about violence. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about different aggressive behaviors when it's an emotion management issue versus a power and control issue Mm -hmm. versus instrumental violence, which means using violence as a means to an end. Yep. We first want to help people recognize the different motivators of violent behaviors and discuss the prevalence of violence and criminal behaviors in the U.S. So just a little bit of statistics to, to wet our whistle and why people use aggressive behaviors.
1: Yeah. Why they got to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> why do? Why do? Why do? But yeah, people use aggression because at least once it's helped them get what they want it's helped them achieve their goal or gain control there's instant gratification it's often taught and observed uh it's the communication style that they saw be effective you know growing up Mm -hmm. they got what they want they got compliance a lot of times so in the short term aggressive behaviors release tension there's a physical release kind of similar to exercise i mean Mm -hmm. not quite as extreme but you're communicating your intense emotions you get forced compliance There's a sense of control and power, but often in the long run, this is going to escalate and the people are going to become less responsive to your feelings and your concerns, Mm. you know, and the compliance is going to be limited and laden with resentment. Yes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I have a couple of kind of motivators for violence here too, and it it varies from person to person. Uh, I want to let you know, whoever is listening to this right now. It's not you. Right. If, if you're the person who is witnessing or receiving the violence, mm-hmm. the motivator is not you. No. There's something else going on there. Um, Their choice. So I see it a lot in regards to just clinically, somebody wants something out of another person. Michaela referenced that. So things like money. Yep. A house, a car, a certain privilege or a rank, special treatment mm-hmm. can be all motivators for violence to obtain power or control over somebody, which you referenced. Uh, another one is just substance use, just being drunk or high, and oh, yeah, not yeah, totally and just like, not
1: being in control of yeah, your faculties just, just for sure. Just yeah. having
0: um, your frontal lobes offline can make, <laughs> can make you be more aggressive. Just, Hell yeah, can something yes. happens? Power structures can enforce certain violent behaviors. Right. So we like reinforce know about it. the what I call it the Zimbardo prison study with the guards and the prisoners,
1: where the do you know what I'm talking about here? I don't think I do. Oh, okay. Or maybe I do when you actually get into the meeting. Okay,
0: yeah. So I think it was called the Zimbardo Prison Study. It's like a Psych 101 thing we learned where you had a group of people who were assigned a role of prisoner and a group of people who were assigned a role of yes, prison I guard. Yes, I this one. Okay. Yeah, and then the prison guard escalated yes. incredibly violent behavior- behaviors largely because of like a power structure dynamic. Yeah. So power structures can play into it. Um, emotion dysregulation. Because of modeling, brain injuries, Mm -hmm. exposures, suspicion, and then there's correlations, right? Like people could be, there's correlations of having low resources or modeling or um, there's education about emotions are low so yeah lots of possible motivators lots of possible reasons why this could
1: happen right but again none of those things are because this one person did this thing yeah (laughs) right right
0: (laughs) we didn't say in there because it's your fault yeah those were somebody else did an action yeah yeah no no. that's not it's like a it's a historical thing yes really really yeah so speaking of we're just going to kind of talk very briefly about some of the statistics on violence so It looks like violent crimes have actually gone down since 1992. So there's about 1.93 million violent crimes reported in the U.S. since that's where we're at. But it's gone down to a low of 1.15 million. Still not good. Yeah, still
1: not great. (laughs) Not great,
0: Dan. (laughs) So the FBI would consider violent crimes things like murder, manslaughter, assault, sexual assault, Mm -hmm. aggravated assault. All of these would be within violent crimes. Yep. And in 2020, 21,570 murder cases were reported. And a lot of the times, you know, homicides, aggression, things like that, it's usually... The most common it looked like was male-to-male violence, and then the next common was wives and girlfriends were Mm -hmm. targeted. Yeah. And so those were the kind of that interpersonal violence flavors. It's like the most common was like random aggression, man-to-man, and then the second most common was against interpersonal violence stuff. Uh, Most common weapon used, fun fact, was a handgun. So Hmm.
1: just so that everybody knows that. (laughs) I don't know. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had one study that showed that 42% of mass shooting cases had at least one red flag incident, often domestic in nature. Oh, God. It's always, I mean, always. There's all, domestic violence and crimes
0: always escalate, y'all. Always. It always does. It's like the, it's the red herring. It's the canary in the coal mine. If you see it, another bad thing's going to happen. I don't know what to tell you.
1: Right. One in four women and about one in seven men report experience Severe physical violence from an intimate partner in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. On average, nearly twenty people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S. Right. So most of this, a, a lot of this, at least, is occurring within the household. So right. It's not just this or within like, your neighborhood. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's either the the gang kind of against each other, mm-hmm. different turf things, yeah. or it's in the house. Yes often right, right right so if
0: you don't if you're not if you don't belong to a gang then the most likely scenario is it happens in your home
1: mm-hmm. or in your neighbor's home right 72 percent of all murder suicides involve an intimate partner and 94 percent of the victims of these murder suicides are female yeah that's a stunning statistic and a really concerning one
0: yeah <laughs> yeah really deeply concerning yeah
1: one in five women and one in 71 men which i bet that's stat is low in the United States report being raped mm-hmm. in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. About, Sexual
0: assault is unfortunately extremely
1: common. Yes. And that still happens within the domestic violence. I mean, you it's can... It's part. Yeah. Yes. You can still have the rape uh, within your relationship.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Marriage... Any kind of relationship, there can be sexual assault. It's not just somebody gets free reign now that you're in a relationship.
1: No. Consent applies in or out of a relationship. Correct. Everybody. Every time. Yeah. Consent applies. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Every time. Every time. And one study that I found also showed that participants spontaneously dehumanize strangers when they imagine harming them for money. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah.
0: That reminds me of, there's some... A long time ago, I read some social psych research that said that this is why they put like badges on certain law enforcement, cameras on certain law enforcement, because the minute that you're able to give a name to something, mm-hmm. less bad shit is likely to pop off when there's some sort of personal accountability. Right. They also do that with like military service members. Um, they'll make sure that people have names. Name tags. Yep. So that and then they talk about that in... Certain violence de-escalation techniques, like if you're the recipient, like my name is Sunny. I work as a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I You just start listing facts about yourself. So it's harder to dehumanize you mm-hmm. because people will, you know, the more anonymity and the more distance from some sort of personal
1: story they get, the easier right. it is to commit a crime. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it doesn't seem like they're acting against a person. They they kind of object. turn that off, and it's just an object that yeah. they're, yeah, again, a means to an end. Yeah, B- gross. Boo. Yeah, <laughs> gross.
0: <laughs> boo. Gross. This is where my Slytherin stuff falls apart, and I become Gryffindor in a in a New York minute. I'm like, let's <laughs> not do any of that.
1: <laughs>
0: boo. Yeah. 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 Often when people express themselves aggressively, they claim they have anger management issues. <laughs> yeah. You can see that we're a little skeptical of that. But what does actually an anger management issue or mood regulation issue look like? So, we're just going to talk about those who struggle with anger, how it presents
1: and and what the kind of the difference there. Right? Yeah, people who struggle with anger issues often use anger to cover up their other emotions. Right. But not necessarily violence, right? Right. Not necessarily violence. They're yes. not necessarily physically doing things. They they mm-hmm. just have, they kind of just have a trigger. <laughs> yes, right. They're, they're a fussy buddy. Yep. Grumpy old man, maybe. Who knows? Right. Um, Easily stressed. Maybe have some problem-solving struggles to so like just an everyday, mm-hmm. like car breaks down and they're- they're hot pissed about it instead yes. of thinking about, okay, what do I need to do about this? Hot <laughs> <You know>? pissed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, right. It's it's normally
0: we've talked about this before, but anger is a secondary emotion. So it's usually right. related to this person is feeling some sort of shame, guilt, sadness, or fear. Right. Disappointment,
1: and embarrassed, mm-hmm. hurt, oh, hungry. Embarrassed. <laughs> oh, the, the
0: substance use one is hungry. It's called halt. That's right. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired is when people are most likely to use substances or honestly pop off with an angry yeah. reaction. Yeah. Have bad emotion regulation. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Usually when I see folks with anger management issues, it's it's not for things like, uh violence they're not hurting somebody they're not emotionally hurting somebody it's right. more stuff like like road rage right or fighting with your boss or mm-hmm. just like kind of popping off in meetings when you shouldn't maybe they get fired a lot they're having like run-ins with neighbors they're right yelling at the neighbor's dog like shit like it's that it's very
1: non-discriminatory like it doesn't matter who they're interacting with great point they will escalate yeah. <laughs> like like shit lights on fire yes you know they know that they could get fired by going off at their boss but they can't control it like it's literally just like i i don't know what i'm feeling right now so i'm gonna be angry (laughs) i'm
0: gonna go with it we're gonna go to war (laughs) yeah we're
1: gonna go to war exactly
0: exactly and and so we want to present starting off the difference between like people who use violence people who use aggression verbal aggression right and then people do just have anger management issues those are two very separate things the anger yes. management issue it's going to present across contexts right it's not going to be like designed to necessarily hurt it's going to be designed more to protect them right and as it's, it's a defense mechanism mm-hmm. right it's, right it listen it's still not pleasant everybody like right nobody, it's still not okay and it's yeah. still
1: it was it's still a pre-programmed choice yes um And you can, and you have to debug that. Right. Yeah, you have to pre-program, you have to reprogram your brain. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) You got to (laughs) reprogram the stuff. But overall, it does not usually overlap with things that we're talking about, like domestic violence, necessarily. Right. It's not the
1: same. Um, yeah no it is not the same yeah it's people who struggle with this type of aggression really just need to work on understanding their anger triggers understanding uh how to relax their body those relaxation techniques emotion regulation techniques take some time to step back from things that upset them and understand their emotions before then trying to actually assertively and calmly express things yes they really have to just learn how to how to use assertive communication and how to kind of calm that body's reaction down right um But again, we all have relationship conflict and getting angry and feeling hurt and arguing can happen in relationships, but we choose how we act and react to conflict. And if we choose violence and threats or if we force or coerce someone to do certain things, then that's abuse. (laughs) Yeah. And and we're going to get into that later, but
0: yeah. We're not... If you're looking for a podcast that's going to be super forgiving on that sort of stance. <laughs> not not here. Look elsewhere. Yeah, like, yeah, It ain't here. Because so again, and then just to just kind of review or revisit the, if you are having anger management stuff, it's like step one, what am I feeling? Right. What is below the anger? Am I sad? Am I ashamed? Am I right. embarrassed? What other
1: emotions are there? Even if anger is a legit frustration or anger, that can be part of the emotion. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. what else is there? And There's I, something else attached to it.
0: Oh yeah. And the anger can be justified. Exactly. People with anger management issues often are like, well, I'm right. And it's like, yeah, a lot of times they are. That right. person did cut you off. Your boss is a jerkwad. Right. That dog does poop in your yard all the time. Right. But you can't let the neighbor light the neighbor's right. yard on fire. Right, right. Like, this is you still can't do that. So it's like, one, label the emotion, make sure you're tracking it. Two, like you said, pick the triggers, find the triggers, right, for your figure anger. out what it is so you can maybe prepare yourself before potentially being exposed. Yep. <laughs> Three use down regulation techniques like breathing, meditation maybe removing yourself from the situation. Yeah, taking an adult timeout. <laughs> That's <laughs> what we call it. Adult timeout. <laughs> Counting to 10. Sometimes I will say like, I will talk to myself. Will, oh, yeah. Like when I have an, I because I have a pretty fiery, I'm a fiery kind of personality. And so when <laughs> something is happening to me, my move is I'll be like, oh, sweet pagan Jesus.
1: I'll take like three breaths. <laughs> I'll look at the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I have to step away and do some breaths. And I have to remind myself that, Popping off is not going to be effective. Yep. Like, okay. I have to keep reminding myself what's going to be effective for you right now. Yes. That sure as fuck isn't. So step back.
0: Yep. Step back. Yep. <laughs> and then you can call like, your anger translator. I have a couple friends who I refer to as my anger translators, and I'm
1: like, sputtering, like, ah, blah, 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 blah. This, thing happened. Like, this is why you're upset. And you're like, oh.
0: Yes. <laughs> so these are all skills for, this is like the less dark end of the spectrum. Right. And you can probably, as the listener, I, I think we all know somebody like this. And sometimes even like, <laughs> when I when I experience this as a clinician, these people don't rattle my chain the same way,
1: right? No, so, no, because it's not intentional. They realize that like it has bad consequences. Like yeah. they have bad relationships, and they lose jobs, and they're yeah. really struggling, and they don't. They just they usually don't want understand. To yeah, they want to change. Yeah. they are like this is clearly not helping me yeah. but i don't know what to do because this is how i always respond and it seems like it's in an instant
0: yeah and usually there's a mo- there's a motivator to change like maybe they got in trouble with their boss and they got fired and right. they come into therapy they're like i've got to get this under my like, control i can't keep having this happen so they're For me personally, I don't know how every other clinician feels about this, but for me personally, I find it easier to work with clients like this than clients who have domestic violence, like perpetrate domestic violence or perpetrate, you know, interpersonal violence. So that's kind of how to tell that part. Right. So what then is instrumental violence and aggression? How is that different than just anger, what we described above, just
1: a little anger? Why is it important to know the difference between these two things? So instrumental violence is goal-oriented aggression or violence in which someone is trying to use it to achieve a goal of some kind. So this is not an overwhelming emotional response. This is a very calculated choice to use aggression or violence to take, get, do whatever they want. This didn't... Kent wow. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it
0: makes me so annoyed. <laughs> I, I'm like the person having an anger management issue over this. I just... Uh, I've been working on the other side of that particular table for so long with people who have been survivors of this that it just is like boy
1: yeah and i've been working deep in this level for so long that it's just like doesn't even okay (laughs) well yeah
0: maybe we should give the audience a little bit of a background on that actually because i think it will contextualize some of our responses so me personally i've worked in a lot of trauma recovery centers Mm -hmm. and like interpersonal violence and domestic violence like recovery centers right so i see kind of like the survivor end of the spectrum or the sexual assault end of the spectrum i have anyway in the past it's not always been my job it's just been what i've had uh, what you often have worked to. with yeah and so i have this like knee-jerk reaction of like boo <laughs> it's it's not a good it's not a helpful clinical it's a fine personal reaction to have but if you are a clinician that means like you need to not work in certain other types of environments right because you need to be aware of like what stuff will set you off yeah exactly. yeah like, well, yeah because great... you have
1: to be able to approach them in a way that <laughs> to Is, get them to change. And if yeah. you are completely like, I hate you, you should die. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not, not going to work. work very well. It's not going to work. And so, But you have
0: a very different kind of background.
1: Right. Yeah. I worked in the prison for several years and I've worked with a lot of violent offenders even outside of the prison. Like I'm still running domestic violence programming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working with violent offenders for most of my life. <laughs> like yeah. Most of my adult professional life. And I was even... When I was in the prison, I was in, even on the clinical violent offender review team, mm-hmm. which was about seven people in my state who reviewed all of the violent offenders coming into the prison system. Mm-hmm. We would figure out what kind of treatment they needed. Maybe sometimes they needed both. And then mm-hmm. like when they're in treatment, we would kind of assess how the progress was going and whether or not they were successfully completed. Right, right. So you've really got the yin in the yeah. <laughs> this is This
0: is like a full wraparound sort of approach. So- I would say that we know this fairly well and it's important to just note, like Michaela was saying that instrumental violence, it's designed to get something I, for me personally. My personal experience has been the impulsive anger is
1: a lot easier to treat. Yeah. And a lot. Uh, Cause there's less motivation behind like keeping exactly. that behavior. What, you know, the, the impulsive anger is. It doesn't get you. It doesn't anything. get you what you want. Yeah. Whereas this is very calculated uh, anger and violence and weapons and hurting people. They're using it as a tool, so it has gotten them what they wanted. They they pull it out when they want it, and they put, tuck it away when they don't want it. And yeah. so it's harder to convince them to want to change. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and I, this is like armed robbery, burglary, shoplifting, gang involvement. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things are what instrumental violence is. Domestic violence, a lot of times, can, can I, involve that. It can involve that. A lot yeah. of times, if they use these kind, if they're in armed robbery or burglary, there is domestic violence too. Like. Yep. It's pretty rare that somebody just really struggles with this and doesn't also have yes. the domestic violence yes. issue somewhere High in their correlation. life. But Yeah. there are a few stragglers out there. There are, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually I think the takeaway
0: message is that it's both. Like 99% of the time, well, I, I do see people who are just plain impulsive anger, which is just the hot anger mm-hmm. and they can't turn it off and it's hard to cool down and it's not premeditated. But I would say when I see like victims advocacy stuff or survivor survivor advocacy stuff most of the time the person who is perpetrating it has both the hot anger of impulsive aggression as well as the instrumental aggression and that some of it is like is out of the person who is doing it's control but a lot of it is within their control
1: right honestly i i think that that's actually a lower correlation than you would expect because there there are the people who have the anger management struggles and the instrumental and <laughs> yeah, yeah and the domestic violence. But honestly, if they have the instrumental and they have the domestic, they on well, percentage wise, I would maybe only say like half actually also have the anger issue. Cause the other half really have that on a lock because it's 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 a big strategy for them. Like this is <laughs> they oh, have they have perfected their yeah, anger. I,
0: yeah, I think we're saying the same
1: thing. Yeah. Like, like basically
0: you're saying when you see instrumental violence in the world which is like robbery and gang violence that's more what you're going to see with the robbery and gang violence is inter- instrumental. when you see domestic violence you are saying dot 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 what are you saying there
1: which I'm kind saying, of anger is that i'm saying that that's more the instrumental yeah yeah i agree with that i agree with that but I and also that only see that they, only half of them maybe yeah have
0: also anger issues yep yeah, i can agree with that i see like the combination like for example like you'll see them also struggle to be like to have ongoing interpersonal reactions with other people like for example they might not have good friendships right they don't have a lot of yeah, yeah no yeah. nobody stays in their because life they're not too like pleasant unless, to yeah, be around yeah, sorts of people yes yeah. totally agree the domestic violence is often instrumental people um they know
1: what they're doing and we want to let you know that they know what they're doing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But in treatment, there is a separation between instrumental and domestic violence. Those are two different pro- treatment programs. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And so people who like rape and stalk, those are often kind of, those are connected more with domestic violence unless it's somebody, unless they're selecting somebody who they have no acquaintance to, then that's a little more instrumental. Um, you know, like gratification, satisfaction, power control play. Whereas if it is, like, somebody that they know, then that tends to fall into the domestic violence category more. So when you're on a violent offender
0: side of the spectrum, you separate instrumental violence and from domestic. domestic violence. Yes. Interesting. Because there's
1: there's different approaches within it a little bit. Yeah. Oh. On the survivor side, don't matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <Like> it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter. Like, Either way, like, those two on the survivor side – It was controlled and intentional. Yeah.
0: Right. Very interesting. So, okay, wait. So what is the difference then between, I'm probably going off script, so if there's domestic and Mm -hmm. then there's interpersonal, how would you um, decide the difference between those two things on a treatment end of the spectrum?
1: So what we did on like the committee, we would look at their criminal history record. We would read into some of the different like reports Mm -hmm. and kind of see how they were behaving. Mm -hmm. And uh, if- Again, if it was really mostly like armed robbery, like if they didn't have much for domestic violence charges, like if almost all their charges were stealing money kind of stuff or gang stuff, and there wasn't actually anything interpersonal reported, then they would get... So it would just be only interpersonal. So it's Mm -hmm. funny because when on the survivor end of the spectrum,
0: you see instrumental violence as like it's not separate from... like It sounds like treating the people who use it You separate it out. But in survivorship stuff, it doesn't actually – there's no difference. So we just say that instrumental violence is like you um, would like intimidate or threaten somebody to get the person to stay in the home and cook you dinner. Right. Right? So that would still be considered instrumental violence. But for a treatment treatment program, that's domestic violence.
1: Right. Because see, this instrumental violence in treatment is like – this is a lifestyle. Like this is not – this is not just me trying to get what I want in this little home. This is my lifestyle. this is how I survive. This is how I live. This is my- It's global. This is, yeah, this is like global. I use this everywhere for my survival. Right. And in on the other end of the
0: spectrum of like trauma treatment, it's like just recognizing for the people who survived it, like- well, it was – whatever was done to you is what kind of the focus. Obviously, you're not focusing on anything else because why? It's not important. Right. It's just the person's experience. But then the key message is just that the violence was used to get something and mm-hmm. not that you were something wrong or that you did something wrong, but that it was used to kind of like control or dominate, Right. which we would use the term instrumental there because it is an instrument of control, which is I, – I had no idea there was that separation. See, that's so cool. Like, we – I would never have had any guesses about the other side of the spectrum. Yeah,
1: So people who engage in this type of behavior do have several violent risk factors that I just wanted to highlight like a few for this instrumental violence. Like okay. kind of, so violent lifestyle is literally one of the r- main risk factors. Got it. So violence is the way of life. They use it for financial gain. They use it for power and control. They might get excitement from the violence. They use threats, intimidation, brutal violence, because it's- uh, the way they think that they can achieve what they want. And they again, they might actually really enjoy the thrill of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they often have criminal personality or antisocial personality, be superficially charming, feel a little remorse, be manipulative. They often have minimal empathy. They could beat a security guard with a pipe to the point where they almost kill them, or they do legitimately kill them, and they don't even see it as a person. Like we said, they dehumanize. Yep. Um, weapon use is often a big risk factor with that using a weapon or just even carrying it, feeling like they have to carry it, they use it to coerce others or to harm others. Sometimes they don't actually shoot people, they just beat them with the back. Interesting, yeah. So, you know, weapons are more than guns to them. Everything is a weapon if right, you try to right, everything hard enough. can be a weapon. Yeah, Anything yeah. can be wielded. Brick killed a guy. Brick killed a guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was Him a trident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh they often have criminal peers. Um, so you're really surrounded by other people who are engaging in criminal behaviors and like glorifying those criminal behaviors and making it so that's what's cool is, you know, to do those things. And that has a negative influence on their lives. Mm-hmm. There's often like a violent cycle. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's different situations or events that might lead them to use violence, um, like job loss, rejection, boredom, mm-hmm. and then anger. <laughs> sure, sure. And then cognitive distortions are obviously a a big factor in this um, because they have really rigid, distorted points of view about their offenses, about the world. They justify, rationalize, blame and minimize and have a lot of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of other risk factors uh, for someone's like recidivism related to these kinds of violence. But these are ones that are really easy to observe. So if you have a, somebody in your life that has you're like, oh, this sounds familiar. Recidivism <laughs> is they're going to do it again. Right. They're going to. Yeah. They're going to get charged with another mm-hmm. type of crime. Right. So just to make sure we're all
0: on the same page here, just to kind of there's your regular anger management issues. Right. Less of a whatever there is your instrumental violence which is this is my lifestyle and i use this violence to get things right. and it's robbery Means to an or ends. whatever yep. or h- homicide whatever it is and then moving into the next one which would be the domestic violence and the inter- intimate partner violence so right. that's different than the anger and anger control and instrumental violence from kind of like a treatment aspect
1: right. of offenders right. sorts of standpoint so domestic violence is violence with a with a cohabitation. So it has to be a close relationship or acquaintance type relationship. Mm-hmm. The violence could also be, you know, parents, siblings. That falls into domestic violence. Roommates. Roommates. Intimate partner violence is more specific to like a sexually intimate relationship, like a partner relationship. Mm-hmm. Relationship. So that's the only real differentiation there. Domestic violence gets kind of more encompassing yeah. and covers a lot more, whereas if you use yep. the word intimate partner, it's more specific to that. Yeah. So you could say domestic violence and still catch all of this. Yes.
0: And then I P V is just under that if you're meaning specifically a partnership.
1: Right. But yeah, many people believe violence is caused by anger, stress, poor communication skills, problems with drug or alcohol or a loss of control. And although some of these factors, like we've said, could contribute to the problem, like pouring gas on the fire, uh, they're not the reason for violence. Violence is always a choice, and even if it happens in a split second, they and they say they don't have time to think, it just means that it's been that rehearsed. You know, think about when you cross the street. Before we cross the street, we tend to look automatically to our left because traffic comes to the left in America. <laughs> right, right. And so we don't even think about it. We just look left, right, left, cross the street. Right. And you, you don't think. That's a split second, mm-hmm. but you were trained that. You mm-hmm. will rehearse that. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and you can choose and to you can choose it.
1: to unrehearse mm-hmm. it and do mm-hmm. something different. Yeah. So violence is not about losing control, but rather about that person trying to gain control over another person or situation. Mm-hmm. And domestic violence occurs when that someone decides to use physical, sexual, emotional, or like spiritual abuse to get their way or make someone do something or stop them from doing something or punish them. Right, right. It is It is very much a control issue, though. It's very much a using like
0: isolation to make sure that you can control how much somebody's time is spent with you, using spiritual abuse to make sure that you're the main focus of their life, using Mm -hmm. financial abuse to make sure that that person cannot leave. Yeah, I think a lot of people mistake that domestic violence and interpersonal violence, I think What I hear a lot is like he didn't have control over it or he didn't – he just flipped out or he has PTSD or she has Mm -hmm. some sort of anger issue or she just doesn't understand whatever it is. Right. Um, But there's actually some good research coming out that shows that a lot of this is less impulsive than people think it is. Mm -hmm. It's way more manipulative than people think it is. It is a means to an end. And just because it's a habit – doesn't mean it's out of somebody's control. Right. Right? Like, that would be like me saying, well, I eat (laughs) Oreos every day after, you know, I watch Real Housewives – and but that's totally out of my control. I can't stop eating Oreos. Like I'm just I'm <laughs> right, just that's nuts. what I do. That's just right? how this is. That's just how this is. I just can't control that. And It's like <laughs> you can't control that. That's a right. choice. You pull out the package. You think about the Oreos. Just because it's a habit doesn't mean it's a it's something that can't be um, undone. But I I see that a lot on the other end of the spectrum is people kind of mix up the impulsive anger right and think that well it's just you know a mental health issue right and just because they snap
1: off fast doesn't mean that it is an anger issue that's that might be how they controlled and planned it that's a really good point a, a good example kind of of a difference between power and control instead of emotion regulation so let's say husband comes home and he starts yelling at his wife for not having supper ready and he's screaming and he's slamming things around and the phone starts ringing So he answers Mm -hmm. the phone and he's able to calmly communicate with the person on the other line. You know, it's the school saying that their child failed on something or whatever. And so while he's talking on the phone, he's very calm, cool, collected. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once the phone is hung up, he turns back to his wife and starts yelling again for how she failed with the school stuff, you know. So so clearly he's trying to use his aggressive behavior Mm -hmm. to exert control. and. And you'll see that. These guys can turn it off so fast. Know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ugh. There's a really, 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 really great book about this called Why Does He Do That? This is about interpersonal violence between heterosexual couples, women, and men. Um, Why Does He Do That? Inside the Mind of Angry and Controlling Men by Lundy Bancroft, L-U-N-D-Y mm. Bancroft. And it goes through kind of all the research studies about this. But another – the perfect example is – when cops are called yes that's always they're
1: hysterical and they're i don't know man she maybe she's just on her thing like nothing really happened sir like a whole bunch of minimization yep and then yep whoever is the one who is the abuser usually and i'm
0: you know like it could be man or woman yes it could be both can be abusive for sure yeah it's It's just statistically that yeah same-sex couple it doesn't matter but like assuming that one person is abusive and one person is not the person who is abusive will escalate Mm -hmm. right then not the person who's a survivor will get hysterical understandably right and then the the person who is abusive will turn it off as soon as the cops show up on the scene be super calm calm mr or mrs congeniality be able to talk about everything and will even often like turn the issue on the other person and say like well it was actually them abusing me right or they are unstable right or you see how help hysterical help. they are like yeah. they're so
1: upset like i just can't yeah. even she's just so yeah sorry <laughs> say she yeah yeah right <laughs> I, it's my habit well it's i mean I work with mostly men well <laughs> the reality is, is th- yeah. th- that
0: is the reality like statistically the violence is more often perpetrated by men so it's not us trying to be jerks or anything it's literally just what we see right and so and yeah. i will
1: say i mean i know some men have been like Wah, rah, rah about this factor where we tend to use male terminology, but in a lot of violence when women are perpetrating on the man, a, it's a, a different, lot of times yeah. it's a different motivator. It's more of a, I've reached my snapping point. Yeah. And also... It's a country song, basically. It is. And it's also, like Goodbye Earl. <laughs> yeah, it is. Exactly. It's like a whole exactly. other thing. Yeah, And also for, for women, I mean, they are often living in a constant fear of their life. Mm-hmm. I mean, his the physical body, I mm-hmm. mean, is just can do a lot more damage than a female physical body can on the man so that the the threat of violence in that relationship you know they're worried that they're going to feel embarrassed Mm -hmm. that's generally what they feel like well she might embarrass me in front of these people or she might hurt my feelings and this whereas the women are afraid of their life i might die yeah Yeah. like so there's a little bit of a difference there yeah and they've Um, actually shown some
0: good predictive ability for women who who they think I'm going to die or this person is going to seriously harm me, mm-hmm. the women's thinking pattern about that is actually quite predictive right. of what the reality is. Yeah, so yeah. So for what that's worth, everybody. Yeah. So the next section, we're actually going to break down domestic violence and inter- par- intimate partner violence even further. So we've right. gone through the inter- instrumental stuff today. We've gone through the just kind of hot temper stuff today. And then we're going to get more into domestic IPV next time. But can someone struggle with a couple or all of these violence issues? You know, what's our observation of those who struggle with this kind of stuff?
1: As we said earlier, somebody can certainly struggle with yeah. all three of these. What a lovely, lovely bouquet of terribleness. Yeah, that would be uh. unpleasant. That would be unpleasant. <laughs> would be unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, it, it can definitely be that way. But again, if they have any of the instrumental stuff going on, if they have the domestic violence stuff going on, the anger control thing is probably not as much of a factor as you mm-hmm. think it is. Yeah.
0: I totally could not agree with that more. It's the the impulsive anger, the regular anger. It's it's across all situations. It's grumpiness. It's unpleasantness. But it mm-hmm. doesn't usually translate to
1: the other more darker, more sinister things. Right. And I also think you can also see a little bit of difference in that as well. I mean, not, not 100%, but... People with the emotion regulation struggles, they they can take a little accountability. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're more inclined yeah, to say, yeah, fuck, I I made a mistake here. That yeah. was not the best way to respond to this. And now I just shot myself in the foot. That yep. sucks. Yep. Whereas, I need to to therapy. I need to take a right. Moment, whereas whatever. the interpersonal violence, the domestic violence, they're blaming their anger. They're blaming their response on that other person. Again, it's not the lack of anger control, it's it's wanting to gain control yeah um they're gonna blame everybody else and and not take any accountability but i will say treating them differently the people who did instrumental violence were more inclined to own up to their violence because it was cool you know it was glorifying it was like yeah "Yeah, i beat this random person who i don't know and yeah yeah, i robbed this place over here yeah whereas you know domestic violence looked domestic violence and sex offenders had a different vibe in the prison Mm -hmm. like people didn't look they didn't they weren't it's glorified. It as wasn't the other a, okay. violence. Yeah. So it
0: wasn't as sanctioned. Yes, yeah. interesting. So the
1: the criminals would be more inclined to hurt the other criminals if they knew that they had been a sex offender and or right. domestic violence. Right. So because you shouldn't hurt more. children or or women. Yeah. Or, you know.
0: Very interesting. Yeah.
1: So like, pe- so those people were less inclined to actually admit their shit.
0: Mm -hmm. Whereas the
1: instrumental guys were more like, "Hell yeah, I did this!" (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was more accountability,
0: but not for a good reason. Yeah, not for a good reason. But
1: you could at least get them to admit it instead of having to play the tap. You know, the little tappy tap game where it's like, "Okay, well, even though you didn't admit it, clearly something bad went wrong. So let's try to fix some things." Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) I would say my end of the the experience is much more like helping people on the other side of it predict whether it's going to remit or get better or not. Right. And straight up, I'm not trying to be negative, but mostly the answer is no. Right. Like nine times out of 10, if I've got somebody in my office who's like, I'm struggling with receiving any of these forms of anger or instrumental violence or domestic violence, I recommend people get the fuck out of there, especially when there's not any kind of personal accountability and especially when there's no previous indicators of behavior change. Mm -hmm. It's like- Well, is that like really think about the risk reward here? Is that something that you want to spend years trying to fix or years trying to, it's not that it can't be fixed on the other end of the spectrum and that there aren't treatment programs available, but it's more like, is that something you want to spend the time doing and the risk doing? Mm -hmm. I don't know, right? That's their own personal value system. Everybody gets to make that call and Obviously, we'll talk about this next time, but right when you leave a domestic violence or interpersonal violence situation, it's it's like scary biz. Shit hits the fan. Yeah, so you have to be really careful. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just it's very different. Like the perspectives of like I'm treating this, and I have to throw everything at it. And I would imagine like you probably know there's a
1: high recidivism yeah. <laughs> rate, right? and you're oh, like, yeah. I'm gonna see this person again. Oh, that. oh yeah. When I did leave the prison system, part of what made me also want to, there was a lot of reasons but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh when i first started our parole board actually they really valued our opinion nice that's you good you know we could say this person did not pass this person is not safe to return in the community they mm-hmm. are going to assuredly leave and hurt somebody and mm-hmm. they would say okay this person is, does not get parole Okay, that and would be that would be nice. By the time so I was leaving, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was Meh. more like this person's gonna hurt somebody. Eh, we have overcrowding. They're gonna go. Interesting. And Interesting. so, and then they'd come right back. Like within a month, they would have seriously hurt somebody. Wow, that is on wild. on both sex and violent offenders. I'm I'm yeah, now, t- t- yeah. t- t- granted they were. There's always a bias against the sex offenders, and I sure. actually kind of felt a little bad for some of them because there are some weird Romeo Juliet things where sometimes you know you sure. Get- but that's a whole nother topic someday. <laughs> oh man, yeah.
0: I that's that's not my world of empathy. I have no. It's like a. Oh, I like can't. I'm just dead I, behind the eyes there. Yeah. And I'm like. I, I, I don't, don't care. have.
1: It's, there's not. It's. <laughs> just, it's not like a. It's not the same kind of empathy. Yeah. Right. I, let's let's. Mine's like a calculated empathy. Instrumental empathy. Yeah. Instrumental empathy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's used as a tool. Yeah. That's. That is fascinating. It's crazy to think about the different ends of the treatment spectrum that are available to people out there, and the different types of violence. I mean, yeah, there's so many.
1: It is. It's a. It's an unfortunately overused uh, thing in our culture.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, outside of podcast experiments,
1: what are you thinking with this?
0: I don't. Yeah, right. I
1: honestly didn't. I was like, <laughs> I was gonna hear what you had because I have no idea what I want to do right now. With my I am, life. I, with your life, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just continue. I mean, I, I am mostly,
0: again, in, like, the advocacy kind of end of the spectrum and the um, working with survivor end of the spectrum. And I'm just going to continue on that road. I know that for me personally, like, I, I really just, like, my clinical limit is – never to be involved in a situation where there's like uh, somebody perpetrating violence and I'm just going to continue to stay out of that like I god bless the people who are able to do that and I just I think a lot of it's about clinically knowing your limits yeah um, and clinically understanding that like you can't help somebody if you can't neutrally evaluate them yeah. You yeah, have to like neutrally remain a
1: neutral party and be engaged and eat. And try and you have to see, try to see it from their perspective, which yeah. is really a twisted, fucked up place to put yourself sometimes. Yeah. Very hello. Like, hello, <laughs> Clarice. Yeah. Like, very, yeah. very it's, really, it's yeah. and, but that's you have to kind of twist yourself that way in order to help them twist it to the other way. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. And and so
0: for me personally, it's just like that continued boundary. I just don't I dig it. Like I'm very aware of what I can and can't work with. And even just like I think that always clinically we should be doing, that. We, you know, <laughs> yeah. like this is not even yeah. just with this. Like right. we should always be like, this Working is Working in our spot. own wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have this experience or this is a blind spot for me. So, or this is like a personal touchy point. So I'm going to remove myself from the situation or get more information about it. But for me, I'm just going to stick. I-, I know enough. <laughs> we Gucci. <laughs>
1: like, I'll stay over here. <laughs>
0: uh, what, so- you could okay, take that. So off or- of that,
1: I'll just—I mean, since I'm running domestic violence programming right now, I'll just kind of keep keep going. I'll keep that as my goal, even though it's like a part of my job. So <laughs> <laughs> I love how you just like you're like I am told to do this thing. <laughs> yeah, just like keep doing it. Keep doing the yeah. Lord's work and, out there. And the way that I was able to sometimes get myself, because again, like you said, a lot of these people recidivate, and it was like, okay, but it, maybe one of them won't. Yeah. Like that was kind of it was the starfish thing all over again. Was how I was able to kind of survive in there. I'm like, if I can get at least one of these people not to hurt another person, yeah, then that's then good that's enough for that's you. helping maybe break one cycle. Like yeah. within that family system, even too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hell yeah, man. I mm. I God love you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I I'm, I'm a lay on the floor type, burn it all to the ground. So, eh, you uh, know, yeah, yeah, some of it needs to be burned to. Ground. Yeah, I'm not going to die. Two, two it, different but, personalities, but. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you have a joke? I do. I have a joke for you. So, <laughs> I don't know why I like this one so much. My therapist told me that a great way to let go of my anger is to write letters to people that I hate and then burn them. I did that and I feel much better, but I'm wondering do I keep the letters? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to lean into the creeper vibe today. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. <laughs> oh, what happened to the people? Anyway, do you got one for me today? I do. I do. Okay.
1: Stop looking for the perfect match. Okay. Just use a lighter. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh Dying that was a dad joke I, <laughs> I really didn't like it
0: though well thank you everybody for tuning in today we really had a great time and we're hoping that you tune in next week for part two of yeah. our violence and aggression issue so Heck yeah check yeah. us out keep listening like oh, rate review like rate and review us and if you follow us that helps our numbers so yes. it gets us more vi- visibility so please do follow us thank you thanks
1: bye, bye.